Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply To another edition of Respect My Decision. I'm your host, Zach Berry. I will bring my guest on here in just a moment, but before I do, I need to remind you that this podcast is sponsored by American Betting Experts, one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the country. Uh, we here at Landry Football Network have teamed together with them to provide special gaming offers to all of you, followers and podcast listeners. So this is all you got to do. It's very simple. Go to the website, LandryFootball.com. Up in the upper right side of the page, upper right-hand corner, there's an ad for American Betting Experts. Click on that, and then all you do is pick among the gaming sites that are listed that are legal in your state and uh, have at it. You can sign up, instantly receive an account deposit match, or a risk-free bet from 100 up to 1000 It's that easy. Uh, again, LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad in the upper right side and uh, get in on the action with a special offer from American Betting Experts. All right, so without further ado, I'm going to welcome in my guest, team site producer at Burnt Orange Nation. That's Texas's SB Nation blog, Westcott. And I should have asked before we started, is it Ebert or Eberts? Eberts. Eberts. Damn, you're close. All right, Eberts, Westcott, Eberts. So, man, how, how are you? We, we talked a little bit before. I know we uh, both experienced some kind of uh, weather issues last week, but uh, it's good to have you on. Yeah, thanks. Uh, warming up uh, here in Austin, Texas, and uh, glad to have the power back on and the the water running uh, for the duration. And uh, you know, heading into spring here, it's the first spring under Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, so uh, hell of a segue there. Let's just go ahead and jump into it. Um, Sark wasted little time, uh, accepted the the head coaching position uh, in Austin, and uh, quickly got over there. And um, look, I mean, if we're Kind of calling it like it is right now, I would probably say heading into the 2022 class that Texas has, in my opinion, arguably the most momentum right now. Um, now, looking at the rivals team rankings, they're not number one, uh, but they're top 10. But, um, I mean, they've already got a uh, four-star quarterback, and um, I'm looking right now, five, uh, four other four-stars in this class. So, uh, I guess just starting back from the beginning – um, the initial reaction, you know, what, what, what's the vibe in Austin right now after, you know, kind of an up and down roller coaster, 
uh, ride with Tom Herman. Yeah, I think that a lot of Texas fans were were really frustrated with Tom Herman. Um, some of that was kind of, uh, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it, some of the culture war stuff that was going on with the controversy surrounding the eyes of Texas, uh, this, the school's alma mater that kind of came to a head last October in the Cotton Bowl with Sam Ellinger singing the song after the game by himself. And I, I think in some ways that was a bigger factor uh, for Tex- a, a segment of Texas fans really bailing on Tom Herman uh, just as much as, you know, the two consecutive losses that they had just suffered. And, you know, I think Herman had, you know, a chance to possibly get some people back on board uh, when he made a lot of poor uh, game management decisions against Iowa State late in the season. Uh, Texas ended up losing that game, missed out on the Big 12 title game. Uh, but really, I think, you know, one thing that Herman just really failed at was getting buy-in from groups of people that could really help him. And, you know, that included some of his former players and some of his current players who are negatively recruiting against him. And so I think ultimately more than what was happening on the field, uh, the Tom Herman era really ended because, you know, his current players weren't helping recruit the next group of players. And uh, the 2021 class really uh, wasn't bought into his vision of the program. And that was starting to carry over into the 2022 class. And certainly that was never more apparent than, um, you know, one of the key moments that really uh, kind of ended things for Herman was the decommitment of uh, 2022 South Lake Carroll quarterback Quinn Ewers, who's considered yeah. um, a generational talent. And he was only committed to Texas for a couple months. He committed in October and then ended up at, at Ohio State. And so, you know, Texas was really in a position where they couldn't afford to have another wasted recruiting class. And as you mentioned, uh, you know, Sarkeesian and his staff have, have really hit the ground running there. Um, they picked up some big pledges, uh, California quarterback uh, Malik Murphy, um, wide receiver Frisco Liberty, um, Evan Stewart last week, a guy, you know, who will be used a lot like Devontae Smith. Uh, Jaden Blue out of um, Klein Kane in uh, the Houston area. He's ranked as a number one running back in the country by 24-7 sports now. And so I think, you know, there's a lot of excitement about Sarkeesian. He tapped into his West Coast ties uh, with Malik Murphy. And then, you know, I think a lot of the staffing decisions that he made have, have been paying big dividends early. He kept running backs coach uh, Stan Drayton, kept wide receivers coach Andre Coleman, who who he tried to hire at uh, – with the Falcons and at Alabama in two consecutive years. And then bringing on a group of really strong recruiters on his staff, uh, led by former Alabama uh, tight ends coach Jeff Banks, um, who has ties to Texas after working at UTEP and Texas A&M, and uh, defensive line coach Bo Davis, uh, who's had two stints at Alabama and also coached at Texas under Mac Brown. I want to ask you this because it's a, it's a question um, that comes up a lot in recruiting. Um, and I, and I think Texas, you know, undoubtedly has the, the luxury of being able to do this. Uh, you mentioned Malik Murphy, um, six, four, two twenty. I mean, if you, if you're going to build a quarterback in a, uh, in a factory, um, that's kind of what you want him to look like. Um, but outside of that, uh, you mentioned, you know, blue Stewart, uh, Armani Winfield, uh, Jalen Golbo, and then Travell Johnson all from Texas. How big of an emphasis do you think Sark is going to put on in-state recruiting? Now, I think, I mean, Texas is huge, um, and then the high school football there is is, is unprecedented. It's 
probably arguably a, a top three state when it comes to high school football. Um, I've, I've told people before when, when discussing recruiting that high school football in some places is bigger than college football in Texas. Um, do you think you already alluded to the West coast ties he has out in California and, and you know, being a coach there and in LA and then being up in Washington. So he, he's got some pull everywhere. Um, is there any internal pressure to really bulk up or I guess load up on in-state talent? Yeah, there's always uh, pressure. And I, I think, you know, Sarkeesian gets that. It's kind of a tradition now. I've watched, you know, three introductory press conferences uh, for, for Texas head coaches. And, uh, you know, one of the first things that you have to do is talk about locking down the state, uh, talk about how important uh, the Texas high school football coaches are. Um, they have a big role in a lot of these uh, recruitments. And so those those relationships are, are really important for the Texas head coach and, and the assistant coaches that – uh, was a big selling point for Tom Herman when he got to Texas, actually, uh, that he and his staff had a lot of experience recruiting the state. Um, ultimately, one of the reasons why Herman failed was because he didn't earn the uh, the trust of Texas head coaches in the same way that uh, someone like Matt Rule did, who came in you know, as an outsider and made some smart uh, strategic decisions with hiring um, some former Texas high school football coaches. Um, but it, it's certainly um, a big priority for Sarkeesian uh, to be able to lock down the state, and and it may be more difficult to do that than at any other time. Uh, certainly in, in modern recruiting history, kind of in the you know rivals twenty four seven sports era that dates back about two decades now. Uh, just because of all the incursions from uh, from other programs, you know Ohio State has recruited well in Texas. Uh, Alabama has certainly recruited really well in Texas. Um, LSU has come into the state. And, um, you know, even in the in-state recruiting landscape, you know, Texas A&M has as much momentum as they've ever had, even perhaps more so than, um, you know, kind of their peak in the last decade uh, coming out of the Johnny Manziel era. And so I think, um, you know, the progress that Sarkeesian and his staff have made so quickly, I think, is all the more impressive because of how difficult it is to recruit uh, the state of Texas right now uh, with so many programs uh, coming in from out of state that, you know, have recent history of success that Texas just uh, can't match on the field. Now you brought it up. So I have to ask, you mentioned A&M. Will Sark bring back the Texas versus Texas A&M matchup? Well, you know, he's, he said, you know, this is sort of other than, um, you know, talking about locking down the state and how important Texas high school football coaches, uh, the, you know, the other obligatory question, which gets brought up all the time, of course, is that matchup. And he said that he'd be willing to bring it back. But, um, you know, right now, the the last time that uh, Texas had an opening, um, I think that would have been two years or so ago. You know, Chris O'Connor called the Texas A&M athletic director and, and they said that they were full. And so, you know, the, the scheduling philosophy in the SEC is, is um, you know, not really a fit with playing that game against Texas right now. So I think, you know, from the Aggie side, the administrators have sort of moved on, and I, I think their fan base is a little bit uh, split in terms of whether they want to bring that back. So I don't, I don't anticipate uh, that happening anytime soon. Now, we, we, we talked about AM and that seems to be, you know, a little bit of a, you know, contentious topic because I think yeah I think both fan bases want the game to happen um but in terms of the the biggest rival um it has to be Oklahoma right yeah no question it's Oklahoma and 
you know, Herman certainly didn't do himself any favors, you know, in that regard, especially with the obvious comparison uh, to Lincoln Riley. Um, you know, they Herman had, uh, you know, arrived at Texas shortly before Riley took over and Herman was supposed to be an offensive mastermind. And Riley clearly got the better of him, uh, not only in the head-to-head offense or head-to-head, um, you know, matchups between the offenses and, and Riley's ability to, to uh, scheme creatively and, and develop quarterbacks, um, but also, you know, head-to-head on the field. Texas was uh, one and four against Oklahoma. Um, you know, they hadn't won since 2018 um, in the Cotton Bowl. And, uh, you know, that was an area that was just – uh, you know, unacceptable um, considering that, you know, Riley took over that program, um, you know, basically at the same time that Herman did. Now, I don't, I don't mean to pile on here, but somebody brought this to my attention about a month ago and I literally had no clue. Um, the question was, you know, who has the most big 12 titles in the history of the conference? Um, and I was like, well, it's probably Oklahoma or Texas. They're like, yeah, it's Oklahoma. And they said, how many do you think they have? And I, I think I probably hazard a guess of like eight or nine. They're like, nope, they have 14. Or I guess 13 at the time, they won their 14th this year. So they're like, all right, Texas is second, right? And they're like, yeah. I had no idea that Texas only has three Big 12 titles. Um, that has to be something that just bugs the hell out of Texas fans. Um, I mean, I still consider Texas um, – a household name. I think everybody does. It's uh, I think it's a destination job. I think it's arguably a, a top 10 easily. Um, probably a top five job with resources, in-state recruiting, the infrastructure that they have. Um, do you think that, that that's obviously going to be uh, a point of emphasis for Sark, not only to, to, you know, obviously he wants to win, but winning big 12 titles and, and kind of, you know, getting back to you know, Mac Brown won one in uh, 2005, 2009. I don't, I'm not sure if he was there in 96. He might have been. Um, no, that was Mac event. Okay. Um, is that going to be something that's just like a point of emphasis for Sark is not only we want to win, but we want to win championships? Because, look, I mean, Tom Herman, you know, his overall record wasn't terrible, um, like, you, like you pointed out. I mean, he just couldn't beat Oklahoma and just kind of couldn't get over that hump. I mean, do you think that there's any sort of window – you know, two, three years. And if it's not happening, people are going to start kind of, you know, rumbling a little bit more. Yeah, there's no question about that. I I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, certainly, um, you know, Tom Herman had to deal with is the frustration of Texas fans with this, you know, long decade that they've gone through outside of any type of national relevance. And to be able to get back to the point that they want to be at, they have to go through Oklahoma and win conference titles. And so I don't, I think more than just being a a point of emphasis, I think the ability to beat Oklahoma and win games in Arlington at the end of the season is going to be definitional for whether or not his tenure at Texas is a success or a failure. That's uh, just how, how things are at Texas. And, you know, Oklahoma has really shown no signs of, of slowing down or, or relinquishing um, their place at, at the top of the conference. It seems like they've been recruiting at a really high level. You know, they have their quarterback and Spencer Rattler for at least, you know, another year. They have uh, one of the top-ranked quarterbacks in the 2021 c- class coming in, in in terms of Caleb Williams. And it seems like they've really steadied things uh, defensively 
um, in a way that was an issue for them, you know, early in Riley's tenure when he had to fire Mike Stoops. So, you know, Oklahoma is going to continue to be there and, um, you know, Texas is going to have to surpass them to achieve their goals. So we touched on it earlier um, with the way Texas has been recruiting are currently sitting seventh in the country uh, in the team rankings. Uh, so I guess what's kind of on the horizon uh, for Texas? I know that there's some some defensive backs out there uh, that are probably either on the cusp of possibly recruiting or committing to Texas. Um, but I guess, you know, who are, who are kind of the bigger name targets to know moving forward in 2022? Yeah, you mentioned the, the defensive backs, and, and those are certainly – uh, big targets, um, you know, cornerback Denver Harris is one of them. Uh, he's one of the top cornerbacks in the country. Uh, just included Texas in his top four, I believe that was last weekend. Uh, but then the other two big targets, you know, big recruiting test uh, for Blake Gideon, the former Texas safety, who is a four-year starter, uh, two-time captain, you know, best known for dropping the interception in that infamous uh, Michael Crabtree game against Texas Tech oh. in, in 2008. Um, and you probably are familiar with him from his year at, year at Old Miss where, you know, Lane Kiffin, Sark's old friend, was, you know, really talking him up. And, and so, you know, these two uh, recruitments, um, Brian Allen and uh, Bryce Anderson, you know, are going to be really important. Those guys are both former LSU commitments. Um, Anderson was a guy uh, who it looked like right after he decommitted from LSU, it looked like Texas A&M was really uh, surging for him, you know, and that kind of – the Houston uh, Beaumont Golden Triangle area uh, that's kind of Texas A&M country right now. And so those, you know, recruitments um, in that area are, are going to be really important for Texas. Um, you know, but Brian Allen also comes from Aledo, uh, big talent producing um, high school. And so getting some of those defensive backs after some defections and, and not really a class on the same level in, in the secondary that Texas is used to having in 2021. So, um, you know, those are going to be really important decisions uh, for Texas coming up as well. Um, I think those are those are the big ones. But, you know, with some of the skill position talent uh, starting to be, you know, in place and, and Texas having a chance to put together, you know, a really elite wide receiver class uh, with Murphy and, and now in the fold, you know, serving as a lead recruiter there. Um, you know, the offensive line is going to be really important, too. And I don't think any of those guys are, are close to making decisions. Uh, but Texas missed out on all of the top in-state talent along the offensive line in, in the 2020 class. Uh, so, you know, this 2021 class is, is largely going to be defined by some of the work that new offensive line coach uh, Kyle Flood can do recruiting there. He's going to get some help from uh, from Jaden Blue, um, who's going after some of those Houston area guys like Cam Dewberry and, and Kelvin Banks. Um, but that's going to be a really important part of, of this class moving forward is whether Texas can put those pieces together to have the same type of dominant offensive line uh, that Alabama did, which was a big big part of their uh, you know ability to win a national championship this year. You already mentioned Quinn Ewers uh, committed to Ohio State. Um, you talked about Denver Harris. I know he released, I, th- I believe, a top three uh, recently. Um now you already you mentioned the offensive line and wanting to kind of build that back up. Um, you don't have to go very far. Uh, Cam Dewberry out of Humble and uh, Devin Campbell out of Arlington, uh, both five star offensive linemen. Um, uh, you, you could just book in an offensive line with those two and uh, build around them. Um, but look, with the guys that are already committed somewhere, you know, Ewers, Ohio State, um, number two guy in the state, uh, Keithy and Alexander uh, committed to Georgia. 
on uh, National Signing Day um, earlier this month. Kind of shocked a bunch of people, I think. Um, I think it was kind of out of left field. I don't think anybody really anticipated him to, to do anything that quick. But, I, I mean, look, the, the state is loaded. Um, a couple guys that I like, uh, Harold Perkins, the outside linebacker from Cyprus. Um, he's an absolute stud. And then uh, kind of a wild card here with uh, Malik Murphy already in the class. Um, Cade Klubnick out of Westlake High School in Austin, uh, right there close to campus. Is that – do you think Sark is going to, you know, hey, Murphy's my guy, we're sticking with him? Or do you think that they'll uh, they'll give Klubnick a look? And then I guess as far as a, uh, you know, a top five wish list inside the state, um, do you think you could probably throw that at me? Yeah, so um... – you know, in terms of quarterback recruiting, I think that's always kind of a delicate thing in, in taking, you know, a two-man class. Um, I think that's an area where, you know, Sark and, and quarterback coach um, A.J. Milwee are, are going to have to be really honest and, and upfront with Murphy. And um, I think some of that's going to depend on uh, what the depth chart looks like heading into next season. Uh, certainly the loser of quarterback competitions – you know, often tends to transfer these days. And uh, so that'll be between, you know, Casey Thompson and, and Hudson Card. You know, Card is younger, so he might be more likely to stick around if he doesn't immediately win the job. But you know, have to think, you know, someone like Casey Thompson, um, you know, if he ends up getting beat out by Card this spring and, and doesn't think that he's going to have a chance to really, you know, win that battle back, um, you know, I think he would certainly be a guy who would be a possibility to look around as, as a graduate transfer. Uh, certainly there's very little risk in entering the transfer portal, um, you know, right now with the ability of players to come back out of it, something that, you know, Thompson has already done before in his career. Um, you know, I, I think it's unlikely, even if one of those players does transfer, that, you know, certainly most unlikely that they would be able to flip viewers. Um, also fairly unlikely that, you know, they would get Klubnik to join Murphy in this class. But, you know, I think that's a possibility that uh, the staff is still – trying to keep open in case that's something that they feel like they need to do. Um, in terms of a wish list, um, you know, I think Harris is, is certainly up there. Um, Devin Campbell seems like a guy who's, who's been pretty high on Texas, uh, dating back to even the previous coaching staff. And, you know, sometimes those guys, especially when they're highly ranked, uh, they become even more of a, of a musket, you know, prospect just because, it's so much more difficult to just kind of come out of nowhere with one of those guys and, and be able to win, you know, a national recruitment. Uh, Perkins is up there for me. You know, he's a guy that's going to be one of those key, you know, Houston area battles between Texas and Texas A&M. Um, and, you know, kind of a challenge for new linebackers coach, uh, Jeff Choate, with his ability, you know, to build relationships. He's a former Montana State um, head coach who came down due to his relationship with uh, – new Texas defensive coordinator, Pete Kwiatkowski. Um, so those guys are, are probably the top three for me. Um, another guy who I think is a really important talent just because there's not a ton of uh, defensive line talent in the state that remains uncommitted, uh, Omari Obar from uh, Duncanville. You know, he's a guy that could be end up being a Red River battle. I think Texas has quite a bit of ground uh, to make up there. And then, you know, I think probably the other guy would, would be a defensive tackle. Um, I'm not sure if, you know, Alexander is going to, you know, leave any opening at all for, for Texas to 
try to come in. You know, that was tough timing for the new staff. And there's just not a lot of uh, highly rated defensive tackles in the state right now. Texas has an offer out to uh, Bremen's uh, DeRay Bledsoe. They also have an offer out to Eric Ross, who has seen his recruitment take off in, in recent weeks. So, you know, I think one of those guys would be on my list. I think, uh, you know, Ross is a little bit more likely, but uh, Bledsoe is a more highly rated player right now. So last couple things here, uh, and again, appreciate your time. This has been great. Um, w- with the pandemic, it's it, hopefully we're, we're kind of turning a corner as uh, coming up on a year uh, when everything kind of shut down. But dead period was extended through May. Um, I will be interested to see if it actually sticks there. Um, I've heard some rumblings that not only are coaches pushing for it to, to not go through May, but I think that uh, – the way the nation is trending in terms of vaccinations and infection rates kind of starting to go down. I think that uh, for the sake of the 2022 class that uh, it could be lifted, but Texas is, is kind of in a great spot here because it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's such a huge state. There's so much talent there and look, I mean, you can't, you can't take an official visit. You can't have in-person contact, but I mean, these recruits can, can travel on their own. They can make the drive over to the hundred acres and, and go check out the facilities, go meet with you know current players and, and talk to them about things. Um, I mean, do you? Th- what kind of advantage does that give this new staff to kind of get their feet wet um, inside the state and and kind of to start to build some some footholds with with some of these key guys? Because I mean, you know, a lot of schools that like to recruit nationally or maybe their in-state talent isn't as deep um, as Texas is, but you know, I. I'll kind of answer it for you before you give me an answer. I mean, I kind of think it's it's the perfect setup, not only for recruiting, but for, you know, Sark and his staff that are just now getting settled. Yeah, I think it is a big, um, a big advantage for Texas. Um, you know, Texas A&M has had a really great start to their class. And I think, you know, they've been taking advantage of that as well with, you know, maybe some prospects who might've, you know, liked to make it out to somewhere like, you know, Alabama, for instance, um, but yeah, that, that's such a difficult situation um, for these prospects and having to make decisions without, you know, being able to tour the facilities, you know, a potential advantage for Texas with their uh, south end zone project that is starting to near completion now and will be finished for the fall. Um, but also just, you know, players who don't have the financial resources to fly in from, you know, out of state are, are put at you know, a really big disadvantage right now, especially not being able to take advantage of, you know, those spring official visits um, that are possible now. And and so, you know, going through a whole year with this, it's, you know, I think it's been really difficult on a lot of recruits. And I, I think it would be really beneficial for them if the NCAA does raise, does end the dead period as, as soon as, as soon as possible for them to safely do that. Um, you know, just for, for these recruits to be able to go through such critical parts of, of their recruitment and, and meeting coaches and, and getting a feel, you know, for what the football facilities are like. Um, yeah, it's um, it's been tough for them and um, kind of, a, a you know, lost a lost year for them. Well, Westcott, it's been, uh, it's been great. Um, and look, you know, I <laughs> – all jokes aside with, you know, is Texas back or not? Um, you know, I think that, that Sark was, was an absolute home run hire. Um, probably 
catching him at the peak of, uh, I guess his, his, his career right now. Um, you know, the, I don't think many people realize what he did at Washington and how impressive it was because I, before him, I mean, I, you'd have to go way back to the, the eighties and early nineties before they, um, you know, before you see any type of winning. Um, but just kind of what he was able to do at Alabama with that offense. And I, it's crazy to think that this, this past year that Alabama had a better offense than, than LSU had in 2019 is, it's kind of an, an insane thing to say out loud, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see what he does in Texas. I think uh, when Texas is good, it makes college football more fun, uh, more competitive. And, and look, I mean, I think that for the big 12, um, it, it's a huge, huge feather in the cap for, for 2021. And, you know, making that, that Red River rivalry um, a little more competitive. Uh, and, and I think that uh, the top of the, the table in the Big 12 is, is uh, has a chance to get shook up a little bit. Yeah, well, I think if we've learned anything about the uh, Texas's back question um, is not to make any premature declarations. Um, <laughs> I think that was probably the biggest regret that Sam Ellinger had in, you know, in his Texas career was – Kind of getting caught up in in the moment and you know the Sugar Bowl uh, two years ago and, and having that really not come to fruition. Um, so I'm going to hold off on on making any uh, you know declarative statements like that. But you know I would say that you know I'm definitely I feel better about the hire of of Sark as you know he's put his staff together as we've seen some of the benefits um, you know in recruiting, but also you know looking into his offensive philosophy and you know, his willingness to continue to call plays, uh, something that Herman didn't initially want to do at Texas and eventually re- relinquished um, an attempt to better manage the entire program last year. Um, but I think offensively, the most impressive thing um, about Sark is just how much he's changed from being like a very pro-style coach when he was with USC, you know, 15 years ago, being able to adapt running the zone read with Jake Locker when he got to Washington, starting to um, integrate some of the run pass options uh, for the first time with Keith Price. And, you know, I think that he has um, a dedication to staying on the cutting edge of offensive philosophy. And so I think uh, his willingness to be flexible there is just um, a really good sign for Texas. And so, you know, hopefully he'll prove to be the type of offensive mind that, Texas thought that they were getting with Tom Herman and ultimately did not. Look, I, I'll, tell, I'll tell you this. As long as y'all keep that TSPY in business that's on campus, the sky's the limit. <laughs> um, well, Westcott, again, I can't thank you now. This has been great. Uh, before we let you go, tell the folks at home uh, where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find you on the uh, World Wide Web, and uh, any, any place else that, uh, that you roam. Yeah, uh, Twitter, SBN underscore Westcott, W-E-S-C-O-T-T. Uh, you can find me on Twitter there. Um, website, burnorangenation.com. And, um, yeah, that's about it. All right, man. Well, I uh, hope the uh, the sun continues to uh, to stay up and uh, continues to get warm and uh, you can uh, head into spring like a normal person like the rest of us that uh, <laughs> didn't have to deal with that. But, uh Good to hear you're safe and uh, everything's going well, man. But uh, but we thank you. Uh, thank you to uh, to you, the listeners. Uh, thank you to American Betting Experts for uh, sponsoring the show. This has been Respect My Decision. For Westcott, I'm Zach. Talk to you all next week.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.